0: I want to thank our sponsors, the Trent Law Practice in Halifax. These guys know that anytime you need a lawyer, whether you were injured in a car accident, face criminal charges, or have family issues, it's probably the most stressful time of your life. Mike Trent and everyone there is committed to seeing you and your family come out of a bad situation the best way possible. So if you even think you need a lawyer, give them a call at 434 471 4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com. Most consults with mic are free either in the office or over the phone that's trentlawpractice.com or 434-471-4339 we are in a time that the need for information is at an all-time high 10 minutes of truth with sean a Boxdale is committed to bringing you the truth hello ladies and gentlemen this is sean a barksdale and this is 10 minutes of truth if you have been following our life Uh, health and death series then you will know that we've had some very exciting guests uh, over the last um few episodes uh and the reason that we put this series together as we said we wanted to inform our community and the nation of uh the matters that take place in the medical field um today's intrinsic episode is with centera hospitals mr blake rogers he's the uh PA, which is known as the uh, physician's assistant um, of COVID, uh, COVID vaccines and preventative medicines. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks Great. for having me. Uh, thank you. First and foremost, I know that you're a very busy man. Uh, just from your title, you're a very <laughs> busy man. So thank you for uh, taking the time out with us. Anytime. anytime. I appreciate uh, it. I really appreciate it. Uh, just a little bit about uh, Mr. Blake. So we'll understand who we have in front of us. Um, He was the uh, PA student of the year in 2018, as well as the marketing director for the Virginia Academy of uh, PAs. Um, And that says a lot about you. It says a lot already um, about uh, how passionate you may be about your work.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love everything that I do. I couldn't ask for a better job.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, So uh, a hospitalist physician assistant is well-trained and highly skilled medical professional who works under the supervision of a physician uh, uh, in the hospital they they evaluate and admit patients in the facility and assist surgeons during procedures in the or correct yeah all right um so just starting off tell us um about your background and sure. how you ended up here.
1: Sure, uh, so I'm a native of Harrisonburg, Virginia. Okay. Um, I grew up there and I was fortunate to be able to um, go to Eastern Mennonite University uh, in Harrisonburg and then to graduate school at James Madison University in Harrisonburg. Okay. Uh, I had a clinical rotation here at Centerra Halifax. I loved the group, uh, the atmosphere, the environment, and the team that was here and I was offered a job. Uh, on my clinical rotations. And after that time, I uh, chose to work here. I had four or five different job offers at the time, and I felt like this was the best fit for me personally. Uh, The team, the family, atmosphere, the community all spoke to me and resonated with my hometown and being uh, a close-knit community that I'm from, this seemed like a great fit for me.
0: Hmm. That is uh, outstanding, sir. That is outstanding. Um, I want to get right down to business uh, because uh, it's a lot of questions and a lot of uh, myths that we want to dispel sure. today. Um, for one, uh, you know, we we seem to be a nation that is that seems to be torn uh, between uh, wearing masks, not wearing masks. Sure. Uh, Being vaccinated versus anti-vaccinated So that means that uh, you being a PA You're nationally certified and uh, state licensed medical professional, correct? Correct, absolutely Absolutely, which means you can prescribe medicine, correct?
1: I can prescribe all the medicines, yes sir
0: All the medicines So the reason that uh, we have um, this fine young man here Is because 10 Minutes of Truth is not here to pick a side we're not here to say who is right or who is wrong. We are simply here to provide the best information so that our community, as well as the nation, can uh, have an informed and make an informed decision. So that's that's what this is about um, in the community. OK, so starting off, uh, it would seem that your job is as important and sometimes maybe more important than the, uh, the doctor with the client. Uh, uh, or, or patient doctor uh, relationship.
1: Sure, and, and so my role is direct collaboration with a physician. Mm-hmm. So and we, uh, here at Centera Halifax, we provide um, almost all the, the same services that my physician colleagues would offer on the hospitalist team. Okay. Uh, there's more PAs right now on our team than there are physicians. Mm. Um, and that's just to increase the footprint of the physicians that we have on the team. Um, sometimes in rural small communities it's harder to, to have more access to physicians and the way that we're uh, supplementing that is with highly trained PAs and nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our role um, we're not uh, necessarily independent, we're working with a physician and collaborating with every aspect of a patient's care. I often have more time to dedicate at the bedside than our physicians do just because of the number. Uh, we can take family phone calls, we can talk through a a patient case we can provide education Mm. at the bedside Uh, we uh, work highly um, or we work very closely with our our nursing colleagues as well and we provide a more continued presence on the wards and the units uh, making sure that care is continually moving forward with a physician Mm. Um, and I think that's what what makes my job great is I I can make sure that everyone is getting the the quality care that they expect from the hospital and we're making sure everything is taken care of
0: correct um one thing a word that everyone today spoke about was team Mm -hmm. and one of the things you just said was you know you took the position here because of you the team Mm -hmm. you like the team and and that is something that we don't want to go over uh our community and our listeners head um team it's it's about teamwork um, and that's just in our daily lives. Uh, we also heard that, you know, family has to be a team as well. Mm-hmm. Right. But Absolutely. before they get here and after they're here, that, you know, everybody has to be on board and have to be a part of the team.
1: 100 percent.
0: Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for, you know, just elaborating on, on that and just sure. showing um you know giving us an inside look into the team sure you know because a lot of times you know uh, we speculate and we think this of, uh, of not just this hospital or any hospital because of when you come here right. you know it's not a pleasant thing sure you know so so thank no you one, no one really wants to show right up. they don't want to show up exactly so you know thank you for you know uh, helping us with, with that and just talking about team sure uh, something that we definitely know is that uh, COVID changed the world yeah. and it changed the medical field absolutely um how did you curate into this position that you're in
1: so i started um in 2019 here at this hospital okay um and uh, part of my uh, the, my training as a pa is 28 months of graduate education uh so pas do that two and a half years almost three years worth of medical 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 education and then after that we go into a practice setting so a little different than a physician that goes to school and then does residency time, PAs don't have that. Okay. So my time here, I spent six months on a very, a very close rotation with the physicians that I collaborate with, okay. kind of learning their practice style and uh-huh. how things are done. And then after that period, we, we branch out into um, a little greater uh, independent model that we can start seeing the patients independently, working with the physicians, that then follow back through and review the case. So, for me, um, I I had about a year and a half, um, uh, almost two years of experience prior to COVID starting. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and for me even even here you would think okay maybe it's not as bad at the community hospitals or maybe it's you're not seeing as uh, the the acuity of cases but truly here at Halifax we are seeing a a wide majority of uh, not only standard patient cases you know we can take care of a lot of things here in this community um, but you, you know, now we're also seeing the influx of COVID. And yeah. and, and that has shifted our dynamic in, in terms of how we approach every patient case. Um, you know, I, I've seen it in the last 18 months uh, here with COVID specifically. Um, but uh, the care hasn't changed, it just, it, it, Maybe the, the, um, the methods for which we approach cases now have changed a little bit. Okay. The, uh, the work um, seems to be, uh, at times, probably a little more stressful because mm. you, can, you can almost palpate the, the fear that patients bring into right. the hospital because no one wants to think at the end of the day, oh, my loved one has COVID or I have COVID. Right. And um, for us, at least on, on our team, we try and go above and beyond to communicate with the patient and their families. But sometimes that's hard. And Correct. it's hard uh, bringing that forward when you see it in, in media, you see the things that right. you're like, oh man, this right. isn't just my diabetes now, this is diabetes and COVID. Right. Or and this is my heart disease and COVID. Right. And when you have to have those conversations, it's the and COVID, which for me, for anyone, a patient, their loved ones, it's the nerve wracking aspect of care. Right. It's like this could be devastating.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for that description. one of your skill sets that you have to possess, the two of them, which is many of them, which I found out is discretion and, and trustworthiness, mm-hmm. because sometimes you're going to hold on to some confidential information. Absolutely. Um, with, with that being said, from the advent of... COVID to this new variant. Um, what is the most profound change you've seen in the virus?
1: Uh, so far for me, it's been the acuity of onset of uh, symptoms, uh, specifically affecting Um, A population which it didn't before so typically what we were seeing were um, patients coming in that were maybe older um, that was a typical demographic and they also had a few comorbid factors was that diabetes heart disease things that would make them maybe more susceptible to developing the virus okay then uh, within the last month or two we've seen it shift from maybe people that shouldn't be in the hospital you know, we shouldn't be seeing the 30 to 40-year-olds all of a sudden coming down with severe respiratory distress. Um, and oftentimes we're seeing those individuals that haven't had a medical history, mm. that have no um, reported hypertension or, or keep going to the heart disease. Right. These are the two big things that we see in the community, right. and, and these patients aren't bringing that to the table. They, simply all they're bringing is, yeah, you know, their age. Uh, right. is the, and the are like, man, why are we seeing that? and 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 to me that then matches with uh the delta uh, variant description it seems to be transmittable at a higher rate it seems to be affecting those in the community that that typically uh, should be healthy um and and that's what's most concerning is when Mm. you start to sit down and you say man why is this 32 year old sitting down here in the hospital they shouldn't be in our icu you know they they need to be at home with their families taking care of their kids right uh not here in the hospital
0: hmm okay uh have you had COVID yourself? Uh,
1: I, I don't believe that I have had COVID. Okay. So okay. I, I was fortunate enough to get the vaccine pretty early. Um, I got it in January. Okay. Um, and I've never displayed symptoms. I've, okay. So I've never been tested.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about the transmission and, and, and about masks. Uh, what are the forms that this this virus is passed along uh, now versus when it first came out, like this Delta uh, variant.
1: Sure. So, um, uh, the the highest form of transmission is just close contact with someone, and that's generally um, uh, like in a small room or something where you could easily get the disease passed. Okay. Um, uh, something that, you know, of course, is recommended is a mask that kind of prevents the person-to-person transmission. I have my mask here, right. so, but, right. um, but uh, that is something that I think is, is a good preventative measure. Uh, as is hand, general hand washing, you would be surprised the number of, of germs that you just carry around. Uh, so I, I found myself, uh, you know, I, I was already washing my hands a great number before, but now it seems like, you know, every move that I make, if I'm not trying to wash my hands here in the hospital, you know, I, um, th- that's what I should be doing right. uh, to try and prevent transmission. Uh, so those are uh, like two of the basic things that, that I recommend for anyone uh, in terms of reducing that transmission.
0: Okay. That uh, hand sanitizer versus washing your hands some people Mm -hmm. are just you know i put some hand sanitizer on they haven't washed their hands sure what's what's the difference how important is it to to just not put hand sanitizer soap
1: and water should always be your first go-to if you're in a a situation that you don't have hand sanitizer or Mm -hmm. don't have access to washing your hands hand sanitizer is a good option
0: okay okay yeah i just just really thought about that um so let's talk about masks uh how important is it to wear a face cover?
1: I, I think right now uh, when you have a high community spread like we do or that we know most southern states at this point in time are experiencing, I think it's uh, pretty recommended. Um, I do it every time. You know, I, I'm 29 years old. You know, I, I shouldn't be at a, a risk factor group right. by definition. However, based upon what I've seen in the last two months, mm. I, you know, I, it's it's uh, affecting people in my age group. Mm. Uh, so. I go out to Food Lion, I go to the store. I'm wearing my mask all the time. I've had the vaccine, but I think that that's one thing that I could do to ensure, one, that, um, you know, I don't pick it up. But number two, what's most important is that I don't give it to someone in the community. Uh, You know, I I, I could be asymptomatic and carrying it around. Okay. Um,
0: Have you found that there is a particular mask to wear or will any face covering help
1: any face covering i think uh is beneficial i think it's hard to point to one that's uh, maybe more effective than another you see of course in the media that n95s are kind of the gold standard when i'm here uh in the In the ICU or the medical units I wear N95 all the time. It's just because of the high transmission risk that we experience with patients. Out in the community a standard face covering should just be fine. Um, I know I've seen a few different uh, maybe immunocompromised patients that choose to wear an N95. So maybe someone that has uh, diabetes or maybe someone that has cancer that would be at a higher risk for developing symptoms. Okay. Um, I've seen uh, those individuals wearing it all the time. Okay. You can generally get those at Lowe's or somewhere else.
0: Right. Uh, what would you say to a part of our nation that just is staunch about not wearing masks that they're not going to wear masks anywhere What would you say to that part of our nation
1: sure and i i think you know you hit on a good point Uh, to me i see those on facebook all the time or i see those on social media which um you know i understand everyone has their their right to choose to do something and i I will never be in a spot that i'm going to tell someone that you know one is right or wrong right Uh, but what i often think about is you know what if what if i gave it to Mm. to some mother or what if I right. gave it to a, a child that, uh, you know, doesn't have the ability to get a vaccine right. or doesn't have the ability to defend themselves in the way that my body might be able to. Right. Uh, so I think that's what I hold uh, most dear when I, when I you know, truly make a recommendation. So I'm thinking not only about, you know, my, what I want, but then what would be the best for someone in my community?
0: Great answer. Um, that's how I feel as well. Um, But as we said, we just want to inform the community of of just the best information. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us. A couple of other skill sets that you have to have uh, as a physician's assistant is you have to have critical thinking and adaptability. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What is the hardest decision you have had to make regarding this virus?
1: Sure. Um, uh, here in the hospital, it ultimately comes down to severe cases of COVID mm. uh, when it has uh, truly wreaked havoc on an individual, their lungs, their and their entire body. Mm. Um, and having to, one, communicate that to patients' families because they're not able to, to necessarily be here all the time um, at the bedside. So uh, doing that, but truly the hardest part is then working with the family member to decide that w- treatments are failing and the patient's body is failing. And then right. what we're doing is, is almost, in essence, um, yeah, n- n- ineffective. Right. And w- when we reach that point, having to decide what comes next mm. with the patient's family member. Right. No right. one wants to have to have that conversation. Right. No, no mother wants to have to decide that their 40-year-old child is gonna have to be taken off of a ventilator. Mm. Um, yeah, and right. to me I think that's been the hardest thing uh, sitting down and 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 having those conversations and, right. and now uh, more than the last period it seems like we have these conversations every day
0: mm-hmm. Wow um yeah I can't I can't I can't even imagine
1: and you know you, you think about it you're like yeah my skill set you know I, I can innovate people I can right. I can put in central lines I can right. I can do all of these great life-saving things but you know I think to me, even when I reflect on just saying it, it's like yeah. the, the, the hardest part of my job or the hardest thing that I, I get to do is have a conversation. Mm. We're having a conversation right now. Right you now. know, Right. Uh, and um, that, that in itself, I, I think, should speak volumes to people. It
0: should. It should. Um, just about protective measures. Right. You know, just about protective measures, hearing that part. Right. You know, because um, it, it's not discriminating right with anybody
1: now no one absolutely no
0: one right absolutely uh vaccines we we have to talk about vaccines um you know some say the government Mm -hmm. made the vaccine too fast sure you know some people you know that you, you have conspiracy theorists um the how did the government uh come up with the vaccine so fast?
1: Sure, uh, so uh, that's a pretty great question. So uh, the current vaccine was made off of, I will use a loose term, a recipe that was based uh, upon data from about 20-ish years ago. Really? So the coronavirus or the, uh, the coronavirus itself is not uh, not new. We, there have been coronaviruses in the past, they just haven't been to the point that they are affecting us at the rate that they are. Mm. Uh, and it's spreading at a high rate. Uh, So there has been um, a base recipe and essentially now that we can isolate certain variants of the virus we can use that to then uh, make a new recipe or make a new version of the vaccine. So uh, that takes some time though you know for us it took about uh, Twelve months to kind of get to the point that we had a good idea about what we needed to put in the vaccine to make it effective, um, but uh, essentially we're using pretty pretty time-tested uh, information to to make this. I know it seems everyone will say, well, it just seems so quick. Well you know when it's a national priority you know when we know how devastating it is we want to move quickly with right. some things but at the same time what we're doing quickly is is pretty proven in terms of scientific research the methods that we've gone to to make similar vaccines in the past okay. so um you know that should give a, a lot of peace of mind uh, I, I think uh, at least it did for me when I was going through the process. I, I advocate for everyone to make good educated decisions. Absolutely. I, that was that was something that I think resonated with me.
0: Yeah, because I, I had no idea that number twenty, you said twenty years yeah. back, you know, that you know, we need to know that information. Right. Um because we don't. Uh so with that said, uh what are the components that make up the vaccine
1: so uh, they're all um, inactivated uh, components of a virus they look at different different factors uh, different strains and um, essentially what is then rolled out to the public uh, anyone is is completely a a safe vaccine in itself there isn't like a live virus that you're getting there isn't uh, some experimental aspect of the the drug Uh, you'll hear different things about. oh well Mm -hmm. they're mixing this in the vaccine right not the case. Right. Um, everything has been FDA approved. Um, it goes through the same scientific rigor that every vaccine needs to go through. It's vetted in different trials. Um, so what what essentially you're getting is an attempt to help your body's immune response recognize the virus if you were to come into contact with it and know how to handle it. Uh, and that's and that's what you're attempting to do. Okay. Um, I think ultimately, people. Um, what I what I've heard more frequently right now is that. Well, the vaccine isn't preventing people from getting the illness. Well, vaccines are about... That, is, that was
0: a question down the line. Yeah, absolutely. and
1: uh, vaccines are about 95% effective. Okay. Um, you, there's always a chance uh, that you could contract the illness. Um, but the hope is that by getting the vaccine, it reduces the severity of your symptoms because your body already kind of recognizes the fact that hey, I know what this is, let me just go ahead and develop my own immune response and and Mm. push this down. So you could still develop a cough, myalgias, um, which are muscle aches, maybe a headache, but those things hopefully won't progress to the point that it's respiratory distress, Mm. that you're not having to come into the hospital. Okay. Um, And and I think that's the the biggest thing. There's there's another aspect, which I think is really important to consider for vaccines in general, is that there's this concept of herd immunity. And if you think about a herd, or you you think about your cattle herd, or something similar to that, um, but they call it herd immunity, which means that in your community, um, the uh, the majority of people should, uh, or if they've had the vaccine, will hopefully prevent the spread of the the, the virus to okay. the point that it's rampant. Um, so, and, and the magic number I think is right around 70% of your community ideally should have a vaccine or something that would prevent the spread to be effective. Okay. So, even though there are communities that have had members that are vaccinated, when your community, like ours, that has a vaccination rate somewhere around 40%, I believe, right now you're still gonna get vaccinated people that get it just because of the Mm, amount of exposure. Right. And so, I mean- That's huge. It's huge when you think about it. It I mean, it's great. I think we've done a lot of work here locally uh, to get the vaccine out, Uh, but there's still work to do. Uh, But you know, when you think about it, and what we're seeing right now is that those people that have the vaccine aren't, aren't sick and they aren't coming to the hospital. you know if they are it's with mild symptoms that i can send them home out of the ed
0: right right um saying that uh how does the vaccine operate i I know that you guys are Mm -hmm. tirelessly endlessly studying. sure so how does it operate inside the body
1: sure so you get the vaccine say it's day one or whatever you're like okay, okay. i'm going to go and sign up i'm going to go get my vaccine uh once you get it um a- after that, that say the point, first shot because it's yep, two so yep, the first, first the first shot so um it's likely that you will develop uh mild symptoms uh, you, some people will say hey i got the shot nothing nothing happened right. some people are like man I, I felt achy i'll be truthful uh when i got the vaccine i i like i had a, a mild low-grade temp i had so, a headache i, I had, had, the had chills right <laughs> i was like and you know everyone says you know that men just don't handle things as well right, my right. wife was like my god <laughs> you know, like she's like oh what is going right, on right. why are you so sick right. or like why do you feel like you're sick right 24 hours, it was gone. You know, I just I perked right on up, no problem. But within that first time period, uh, what that tells me, and what I know from you know medical science, is that that's my body developing an immune response. Correct. And you know, I could rest assured. I'm like, great, this vaccine did exactly what I needed it to do. You know, when I'm here on the floors or here at the hospital, I don't have to question you know, was that little cough that I just had in the back of my throat, right. I'm like, you know, I've gone through the process. Right. Then it's, they give you, you know, 20 to 30 days. And, and really that's kind of the benchmark that we look at from the last vaccine to say you're fully, fully vaccinated. So, you know, you get your first shot and then depending on the vaccine, you get your second at the right interval. Okay. And then about uh, two to three weeks after that period, we say you're, you're fully vaccinated. You should be hitting that 95% benchmark. Um, so uh, that's in essence uh, loosely how it works, you know. Okay. people. We, I always tell people that the second shot shouldn't be as bad as the first one. You know, if you were fortunate enough that you didn't develop an immune response, great. You know, you know that that's equally as fine. It doesn't say that it's any less effective. Right. It just says that your body handled a little bit different. And something that I hear all the time on, on social media: everyone's body is different. You know. Correct. And uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. You, everyone wants to advocate for their own body, and you're right. Your your body will handle it differently. I can't sit here and tell you that you're gonna handle it any mm-hmm. any certain way. Right.
0: Right. Right. Uh. Thank you for that information because, you know, a lot was uh, dispelled, as we said, about the vaccines and masks, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So what exactly um, uh, do you do regarding the vaccine here?
1: Sure. Um, so I, I guess I'll ask a follow up question for you. OK. Uh, so uh, is that about maybe giving people the vaccine or.
0: um giving and how, how yeah let's say how you sure. administer it yeah. sure
1: so uh here at the hospital uh part of our screening when you come in is i, I will ask you if you've had the vaccine i ask everyone regardless okay. if they're coming in with symptoms or they're not and the reason why i do that is to know at the time of discharge uh if you're interested in receiving the vaccine okay. we can give it to people once they're discharged if we feel like they're a candidate uh okay. at that time um uh, so that's that's one thing that we're doing here um Uh, Other than that, most of the time, the nurses, uh, when we're getting close to discharge, will follow back up with me, and and then we will give it uh, at the time of discharge going home.
0: Okay. Um, I heard you say something just a little while ago about uh, being FDA approved. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I know that I saw that Pfizer had been FDA approved. Is Moderna and Johnson and Johnson as
1: well? So they're going through the the process of FDA approval. Okay. So they have the emergency the clearance that they've gone through the initial okay. right steps. Okay. Uh, essentially, what they're waiting for is uh, the vetted information that says, "Okay, we, we now see this out in the population, and this is how it's going." Okay. Uh, and and all vaccines, all medicines, everything that you take have to go through this pretty rigorous process. Mm ultimately the united states has the highest standard uh for any medication that is uh, that is administered the fda does a fantastic job of vetting things right uh it truly is the gold standard in the world okay Uh, so at that point in time you know just a week or two ago when they got clearance fda said we we know this we've seen it we have all the data that we really need to say this thing is good uh so that that's fantastic
0: okay so um but i am glad that you said that because it doesn't take away that the other t- oh, well I'm not going to say Johnson Johnson boom what I heard but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. But it doesn't take away from these other no, vac- uh, vaccines. It just says that they went through the process already. Right. So in okay. Pfizer
1: when you look at it Pfizer was really the first okay, vaccine right. that had started. Right. So it's not necessarily that you know they're you know that they're running ahead it's just that they 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 started the paperwork. First. Got
0: it. Got it. Okay. So,
1: and, and, and I'll, I'll just keep that in mind that before the vaccine can actually be released, it does have to be studied. Mm. So it's, I, I hear sometimes, well, they're doing this in the population to see how it affects us. Right. And people right. are like, I don't want to be a guinea pig. I'm like, well, that's right. not, that's that right. the studies for a validation had already occurred. Right. So before they could get the the approval to start administering the medication.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you for that piece Mm -hmm. of information because like you said you know in in communities in our community we see especially we for some odd reason um social media has become the standard of the truth absolutely you know (laughs) if you say it on social media it's the truth no doubt you know and and a lot of times it's the farthest thing from it right (laughs) you know so I really appreciate you just taking that time out to just like I said dispel a lot of these myths and whatnot. right um I saw a report last week about 204,000 COVID cases among children, five times higher than a month earlier.
1: If that um, doesn't scare someone. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll, like, you know, I'm here in the hospital. I'm like, to me, that is the most gut-wrenching. No, I like, have
0: small children. Yep. And, I, and, and why? Oh. Why is it attacking the children now like that?
1: Yeah, so uh, when uh, the virus itself, um, you can think about it as a small particle or however you want to conceptualize okay. a virus looking. Essentially, uh, viruses work through a process of replication. So they infect mm. a host and then they recognize and they mutate. Mm inside of a body and once it mutates that mutation if it's strong enough can be transferred uh to different different hosts right so the what we what what happened initially everyone you know even here we're like okay we're fine it's just mainly affecting the adults you know we're 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 fine well the virus has has mutated mutated. right uh and and now it's that that variant whatever it is you know people are like well how do you know i'm like well, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. What we know is that COVID is actually spreading, mm. regardless of what you would like to call the variant or not. You know, it is COVID and it's spreading because of this mutation process.
0: Just in a little bit more layman terms mm. for our community, because we have a wide variety of listeners sure. um, about the mutation part Uh how can you break that down so that a grandmother would understand, you know, sending her child to the store?
1: Sure, sure. So uh, the the virus itself, the COVID, once it's in your body, it, it changes. It can change form. So what what infected you might might come out in a, a little bit of a different, different way. Okay. Uh, there are big terms that I can use, like DNA or RNA or some of that but essentially what it means is if you want to say that the the initial virus read as a b c d the next virus that comes out of you could read a b d e Mm. miss that c component if you're following where i'm going and as a result that causes that virus to read in a different way to infect in a different way it still has some of the same core components but it's a little different Um, and that's the process of mutation
0: Okay, um, so, all right, that made me think of a lot of things, but, <laughs> but sure, I, I, okay, sure. so uh, sticking with the children for now, um, is a vaccine being created for children?
1: Yeah it is absolutely so uh pfizer right now and literally just before i was coming i was scrolling through news okay uh and i just heard that pfizer is uh going through the process right now of approval for a vaccine from ages 5 to 12. excellent and that they expect uh, um, at least approval from the fda sometime in the late fall excellent excellent they expect that by the end of september and maybe uh early november is is what i was reading now of course you know we'll have to follow back up with the official announcement but uh it's in the process
0: okay uh so right now the vaccines that we have what is the age limit uh 12 12 12. yep okay and uh is there a cap on it meaning that is you can be 80 you
1: can be 80 you can be a hundred i've had i've had, had patients here 102 wow so sure okay that's fast i didn't know that yeah i didn't know
0: that that's okay that's great um we're starting to hear about booster shots yeah um will this become something like uh flu shots where you will get this every year or periodically sure
1: um so i'll, I'll say that i hope not okay um but you know as we see uh covid uh continue through the communities and, and the mutations you would um, lingering in, my, in the back of my mind, I think, well, maybe, you know, uh, we, w- we need to get through it, right? right? We need to level this thing out. Um, once once everyone is at that 70% benchmark in their communities with vaccination or enough people have had it that it's no longer spreading, um, then, then maybe we'll see just the coronavirus COVID-19 disappear and, and will only be a, a small memory mm. uh, in the past. Okay. That's my hope. Okay, and I, right. I, I think right now uh, that's the, the the main thought is what will happen.
0: Okay, okay. Thank you for that because I, you know, uh, as I started to hear about booster shots, I started to think along the lines of, you know, could this become like the flu shot? Like, sure. You know, but we, ha- people were saying, oh well, you know, when it gets colder, that you know, a virus that or you, it didn't do that. You know, and then, well, in the summertime, it, right. it, you know, it's just here Right So, and, you and, know And
1: to me, that's, you know, I'm like, right well, Typically, when, when I started, we expect the flu season right Exactly And I'm like, all right, now it's August, right? Right We're a little ahead of what we would expect for flu Right Though, uh, just to, as a brief moment, I'll, I'll touch on the fact that the influenza itself has been basically non-existent for the last 18 months Really? So How is that, though? Uh, Mask, hand washing. We were social distancing ourselves to the point that it limited the spread of something else. Huh. Um, Which is, you know, pretty interesting when you sit down and you sit down and start thinking about it. Um, But still not good, you know. Right, right. right. So one, it proved we could have been doing these things all along. Right. And basically have leveled out something. Right. Um, and now we're here, and I was, you know, you can kind of look at it. So right. we'll see what this year holds, but I'm thinking it's going to continue to show that influenza. Is a, right. A, a Cause
0: I thought about that myself. Yeah. I was like, I thought last year, I was like, I didn't hear nobody catch the flu.
1: No one. Like- <laughs> you, you look at the United States as a whole. Right. It's, uh, right. Maybe one or two cases right. here locally. I think right. is what we had, but right. uh, You know, nothing, nothing. Uh, like we would have three, four, five emissions a day. Right. That's and but that was because of how we live. Right. We we shut things down. Right. We washed our hands. We wore masks. We did right. all the right things.
0: And the, even down to you know, social distancing. Um, yeah, that was absolutely you know I, i'm glad that you said that like that because right. you know you just didn't think about that
1: right and you know and, and you know you think about the influenza too what what were we were told in the past mm-hmm. wash your hands mm-hmm. socially distance right you know sometimes we would wear masks here in the hospital right but community in the community it wasn't necessarily an adopted thing and you just accepted that it was going to run rampant
0: that is that that's exceptional I've i've really um I appreciate you just giving us that information like that, because, like I said, it just gives us so much that we could use. Right, you know, just in the community, just little bitty things. So, you know, um, what what information could you give an individual that is dead set on not taking the vaccine?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I I think oftentimes I, I wanna I I. I want to work with that person to understand w- what the hesitancy is. and you know I continue to see things on social media and discussions right. that right. nothing will change their mind right And you know at the same day, I can't force force anything and I, I certainly can't can't change the mind of anyone that isn't receptive to hearing information right. And so I, my biggest thing is um, the willingness to hear me out and to have a discussion right. And I, I think that that would be my biggest advice. Uh, I think that I'm a pretty straight shooter with most things, and you know I'm willing to hear the other side of, of the thought because there's always someone. There will always be a different opinion. But if we can work together to understand where we're at in the community, where we're at with the vaccine, where we're at with what we have to offer, I think that that's probably the best thing that we can have is a meaningful discussion, uh, and it maybe allow for that thought to to begin to happen. Right. Change doesn't happen overnight. And, absolutely and, and some of that just has to begin with uh, looking at looking at the facts or getting real information that doesn't feel like it's it's forced by the government or right. I'm being told to do something by this other party right um, you know I, I, I went to I went to PA school for this reason it's just to help with education uh, to help understand where we're at uh, with our health and I think if I can continue to do that with someone even if they don't want the vaccine at least to have heard me out about what i can tell them is the truth
0: right and as we said again at 10 minutes of truth um this is can be the start of those conversations right because we have a, a different reach uh throughout the community sure. and this is why we really wanted to put it together because you know we're just misinformed right uh, on a large scale right. small scale
1: right i i think sometimes you, I, I see it almost every day here at the hospital someone will come in and uh, you, the immediate uh, it's a its a wall that is put up when yep. they come into the hospital yep. um, because I think there's a fear that I'm going to be standing on the other side of the bed saying you should have did this or you, you, you needed this and you missed your opportunity that's right. never how I or anyone on my team approaches care right and, um, you know, ultimately, we do, we do hope that we can prevent those cases from coming in from someone that's missed that. But at the same time, uh, there shouldn't be a fear associated with reaching out and, and, and taking care. I will never be in a spot to say that I was right and someone else was wrong, right. especially when it deals with your health.
0: Absolutely. Um, thank you for that type of empathy, you know, because a lot of times we'll have a position or be in a position, and you know we'll be bent on, well, I I have the information, I have the, not- I gotta Great. be right, Great. you know. So that's yeah, that's 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 kind of you. We hear a lot about vaccines, sure, right, but we we don't hear a lot about um, exercise and vitamins, right? How important is exercise and vitamins?
1: Sure. Uh, th- th- this is actually a great question. I-, I think if you can do anything to prevent disease in the first place, that's right. probably the best way that you can do it. Um, so uh, any anyone, um I would recommend, you know, standard exercise, you should be trying to get 30 minutes of, of at least cardiovascular type endurance in a day. Um, that's, a, that's a good threshold to do. It um, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be at a gym. People are like, you know, I've got to go. I've got to go down here. We've, got, the, we've right. got a few different parks here locally. You can go outside. You can walk around the track at a high school. You know, Correct. some of that is just purposeful, meaningful activity. It's not, in my mind, going to Walmart and walking around with a cart for 30 minutes. To me, it's dedicated. I'm taking this time out of my day for myself Right. and, and doing that. Um, vitamins um, are, are, are always a little uh, different per the individual um, there are multivitamins that anyone could take uh, that you can find over-the-counter at, at your local pharmacy uh, you just find it for the local age range um, and now for COVID there are a few different va- or, uh, vitamins that we will always give patients here at the hospital um, some of those include zinc vitamin C vitamin D um, and, elderberry um, How is that I, I haven't seen anything but okay. you know if, if, if that's what it's part of your regular regimen right. by all means okay. uh, but the zinc vitamin D vitamin C are the things that we, we what we think help boost your body's natural immune process Great. so um, you know I'll, I'll get questions like elderberry and some other things there's right. cinnamon there's a few different right, things that right. people have heard about right. and I'm like well we haven't studied it but just because we haven't studied it doesn't, doesn't mean you know, that right. there isn't something inherent about it
0: Correct. P.A. Blake, we really appreciate you coming in once again, taking this time to, like we say, dispel just so many myths and to give us uh, very informative information for not only the nation, but our rural community as well. Absolutely. We really thank you for that.
1: Absolutely. I'm a member of this community and, you know, I, I, I want to see it successful without this disease. You Absolutely. Know, I think that would be my ideal goal. It just it depends on how long it's going to take, but uh, hopefully we'll be through it soon. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: This is Sean A. Barksdale, and this has been 10 Minutes of Truth. Thank you for listening. 10 Minutes of Truth mission is aimed at bringing awareness to health, wealth, and the betterment of society as a whole. Subscribe and follow us as we drop an exciting new episode every Monday at 430, a platform you can call home. Thank you, and welcome to the truth. I want to thank our sponsors the Trent Law Practice in Halifax Mike is committed to our Southside Virginia community he grew up here and came back after law school to work as a public defender before starting the Trent Law Practice with Blair the Trent Law Practice focuses on helping our neighbors right here in Southside with criminal defense and family law it can represent you on a personal injury or auto accident matter anywhere in Virginia you can give them a call at 434-471-4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com most consultants with mic free, either in the office or over the phone. That's TrentLawPractice.com or 434-471-4339.